This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My experience that I have and the knowledge I have was a culmination of all the trials and tribulations that I went through throughout the career, my failures, my successes, and the work that I've done. Welcome to another inspiring episode of Knocking Doors Down. Your host, Jason LaChance here. Of course, through my addiction struggles, as well as my mental health struggles that include anxiety and depression, I've developed a passion for speaking with those who have turned their adversities into their greatest advantages. And I'm excited for an incredible guest, Cedric Lassant. Cedric grew up with a lot of childhood adversity, including the divorce of his parents and both of his parents coming from immigrant families. During Cedric's childhood and teenage years, he was making disempowering decisions until he had some amazing mentors come his way. Cedric became a father at a very early age, but with his never quit attitude, Cedric was determined to be a success. Not only did Cedric become a cybersecurity expert, he also owns a luxury car rental business and is an MMA fighter. Cedric Lassant shares with you how he's knocking doors down. While you're checking knocking doors down out, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you get a lot out of this podcast, share with a friend. And don't forget the archive of interviews we have. Bam Margera, Brandon Novak, Kat Von D, Charlie Sheen, Edward Furlong, Kelly Osborne. The list goes on and on of amazing guests that have been on the podcast sharing how they have found purposeful lives. Speaking of purpose, how about a lifestyle brand with purpose? 5150 LTM. That's right. Not only is it a lifestyle brand that can fit whatever it is you're trying to achieve in life, but they give back to the community. And you, the listener of Knocking Doors Down, get 20% off every time you shop at 5150LTM. All you have to do is use the code KDD20 at checkout and get 20% off. And how does 5150 give back to the community? Portions of the sales benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation. Their three amazing programs, the race to end the stigma, the race for autism, and the race to be drug free. More on the Carlos Vieira Foundation, go to carlosvierafoundation.org. All right, Cedric, uh, we were talking about before I hit the record button, uh, three things you're grateful for today. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that I woke up. That's one. <laughs> I'm grateful for, for life, you know, health. Um, I'm grateful for my riches and I don't mean in, uh, money or anything in that aspect. I'm talking about my riches as in my friendships, relationships, et cetera. And, uh, my family, <laughs> so it's the top three. Well, we're going to talk family and lineage because you, you've got just a story that's fascinating to me, but, uh, but what is the media family misses? 
couple of kids. Yeah. So I have a wife, my wife, Louisa. Uh, she's the Maroc. And then my son, uh, Jace. He's about eight years old. There's a ball of joy. Full of energy. <laughs> As they're supposed to be, right? Yeah. Uh, Still tr- struggling to keep up. Well, being that you, you know, you're an MMA fighter, entrepreneur, how does how does he react to dad, you know, stepping in the cage? You know, sometimes those things can be frightening for a kid, or is he like, you know, take it to him, dad? Uh yeah, actually you can hear him in, in some of the fights too, in the background screaming, uh you know, chance just like that. Uh, but he loves it. Uh, he actually trains mixed martial arts himself. So he's been around the gym since he's been a baby, since uh, I started uh, training. So he's, he's, he's one of the gym kids. I love it, man. It's always cool when our kids kind of dig it. I worked in radio for a long time and my kids were always there and, you know, had them on the radio and learning different little, you know, in little drops and all that. It's cool when you can bring your kids into that kind of stuff. I love it. Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. Well, we're going to be talking, I mean, the entrepreneur side of what you're doing. I mean, cybersecurity, and you've got a, a you know, I'd say a luxury car uh, rental company that, boy, I get down that way, I'm going to have to hit you up. But uh, I'm actually really... hook you up. All right. All right. Yeah. I, I need to drive a Porsche for the day. Can you make that happen, Sid? I mean, I, it depends on which type and we can make it happen with enough in advance, enough time. All right. Uh, but I want to I want to know because, you know, your uh, family from Haiti, uh, from Haiti. So a Haitian immigrant. Did, were you born there or were you born here after your folks came here? So I'm actually was the firstborn generation for my family. They refer to us as uh, anchor babies, okay. as uh, what what I've heard it the term uh, be coined uh, nowadays. But um, but yeah, so my family immigrated from Haiti and Cuba, from both my maternal and paternal side. Um, so yeah, we started out in New York uh, and then ended up in Florida, <laughs> Haitian and Cuban. And that's 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 some tough lineage of people for what was going on. I'm guessing that was what, maybe 30, 40 years ago, something like that. Yeah. So my grandfather first came over and it was uh, 70, I think it was 72. Okay. 72 or 73. And that was from Haiti? Yeah. So mom's side was the Cuban side. No, sorry, I'm mistaken. My my grand my grandfather, my father's side, um, hit my paternal sides from the Cuba. Okay. My maternal from Haiti. Um, but yeah, my my grandfather on my mother's side came over in like seventy seventy two. Started off as a taxi cab driver, um, and paved his way for to bring my mother and her sisters over. And then oh, eventually, wow. uh, we we came about. So grandpa came came first and then family later. I've heard that a lot with a lot of people that it was, you know, that that struggle. And of course, I mean, 70s, geez, you know, we're talking, uh, you know, when Fidel Castro's just coming into power in Cuba. And of course, the things that were going on in Haiti and sadly still continue. And, you know, that's a lot yep. of strife to come through. Yep. Still dealing with that. My uncle actually got deported not too long ago. Back back to Haiti. Mm-hmm. Um so dealing with that, I got family members who are still trying to come over here on certain programs to just seek better work opportunities. Um, so that's just that's another thing I'm grateful for, you know, just the opportunities here. I just try to pay it forward. Well, I mean, you know, gener- generational trauma is such a, a, a real thing 
that I don't think people touch on enough. How did you, how, what was childhood going, growing up for you? What was it like? Uh, childhood, I mean, it was all, all over the place really at first. So again, like I said, I started out New York, Brooklyn as a baby up until about, I was like, what, five or six years old. You had moved out to uh, Long Island. Um, There's a little bit change of pace uh, from the city life. And it's crazy. It's a long time ago, but I, I vividly remember um, we moved to a house with a pool um, at first in Central Islip. We stayed there for like a good two to three years. Um, and unfortunately, uh, my parents at the time, they got divorced. Mm-hmm. So a uh, single single mother household for a little bit, moved around. Um, eventually, uh, I had to move to moved to Florida. We moved to Florida at, it was back in 2004. My mom was working as a nurse at the time, um, working multiple jobs. Um, at one point, you know, we, we, we went through some tough times, a lot of transition transitions. Um, and, and luckily enough, you know, my, uh, mother was able to create the opportunity for us to come down here to Florida while, you know, she worked up North because the pay was a lot better cost of living in Florida was a little bit cheaper. So it was helped the money go a little bit longer. It's a funny story. Uh, the, when we moved down here, uh, the week after we moved down here, it was, we got the first hurricane that w- my family's ever experienced and then got hit with another two hurricanes back to back. We were out of power for about two months, two to three months. And we dealt with schools, delays, et cetera, and dealing with no AC down south and being just new and bra- <laughs> just getting acclimated to the, the heat. It was miserable. I remember that is that's something that probably gives PTSD <laughs> to this day. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, as, uh, yeah, as we grew up, I grew up in a little suburb here in Deltona, Deltona, Florida. And ever since then, uh, you know, been trying to pave my way. Um, eventually, uh, graduated here from a local high school, uh, went off, joined the workforce, um, went back to school, found my niche and, uh, became a cybersecurity expert. And throughout the time, uh, as since I was a kid, uh, I've always been the one to compete in sports. Sure. So I, I grew up wrestling, uh, I boxed at a local gym, Tainos. Actually, it's no longer here no more. It was like a nonprofit city, city got rid of it. Really need to bring it back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I just kept the itch going. I started my initial dream was to come out of school and transition into MMA full time. But you know, life has its way of throwing uh, curveballs at you. And you know, you got to adjust your plans. I became a teen father at a young age and uh, was forced to kind of pivot. And during that pivot time frame, uh, I found my passion for cybersecurity and found my way into the field and I've been chucking away ever since been about eight, eight, nine years now. And, um, I had a couple years, a couple years ago, um, after I kind of thought and sat back and was like, well, um, I kind of, you know, made up for my decisions at an earlier age. And I'm at the point where I can kind of circle back on my, my dream of being a fighter. And I started uh, competing again at a professional level. And uh, now I'm doing both. I'm a cybersecurity expert and a professional mixed martial arts fighter. 
Let me uh, let me jump back a little bit to the move to Florida, and and that's tough, man. When when parents go through divorce, you know, my kids, I worry about that with them. That maybe there's things that they have yet to understand that they're angry about, or you know, any of the angst that can come along with it. Was I mean, were you pretty good at staying out of trouble, being involved? Because you know, you said you were really focused on sports, and was that a real good outlet, or did you kind of have some situations where it was? Uh, yeah, <laughs> the yeah, the yeah. well it was kind of both so like sports was an outlet um to say did it steer me out of trouble i would say yes it did steer me out of trouble but did it steer me completely out of trouble no i i've had my uh fair share of hiccups when i was a kid growing up but grateful for each and every one of them because they made me who i am today do you have a recollection of any one of them that really smartened you up Um, I would, I would say the the best way I can put it is just be careful who you hang around. That's it. Yeah. Hang around the the wrong person and ruin your entire life. Well, our environments are such a huge, important part of what we do because, you know, as I was telling you before we started, you know, I eventually falling into alcoholism and I grew up in a home of addiction and I, you know, I consciously was like, Oh, I'm steering, I'm going to steer away from this, you know, but then, you know, the ignorance of, well, everybody's just having fun. This is just fun. Well, it was fun until it wasn't fun and it became a necessity. And that was the environment I was in. The the people that I thought were my friends or whatever it was, that was like all we did is like, how, how is that? any substance whatsoever you know it's it's not yeah let's get more into teenager said i want to hear more about so you boxing uh wrestling you know was it a coach because i mean you're you're a jack dude you're pretty good sized cat was there like a coach it was like hey Luson, over here you know it's funny you say that you know there was a coach that did that when i was in eighth grade but i wasn't this jacked back then trust me i was a small little scrawny kid with a gap tooth uh <laughs> went through the whole braces phase etc but yeah one day uh we were we used to have this uh, junior high program so in eighth grade as you transition to your freshman year to high school they have uh, towards the end of your eighth grade year they used to bust over the kids from the local high schools that are going to be coming over to kind of give them like a warm-up into the football scene um, and kind of like weed out the kids and see who's going to actually be able to, you know, get on the team, et cetera. Um, and one day after practice, uh, we're walking down from the football field, me and my buddy, uh, Zach Gazda, uh, wrestling coach, Keith Wallace, uh, never forget this. Uh, he pulled us to the side and introduced us to the wrestling. We've seen the guys wrestling in there and we thought it was awesome. And we ended up joining the team and been a part of that community ever since. Those mentors are so incredibly important, aren't they? For sure. For sure. The mentors are definitely very important in every aspect, um, especially during that time um, in life as such a young man coming into the world and having, uh, you know, kind of the senior adults that have been through high school and that are still right on that cusp of, you know, figuring life out and hearing their perspective and having their guidance was definitely very fruitful. Is there any big takeaways still that this this day and age? Because I'll tell you my funny story. So big professional wrestling fan actually worked in it, not in the ring commentary and announced because I'm like six two, six three, uh, buck eighty, soaking wet at most. So you know, I get my ass whipped. Um, 
<laughs> but, you know, I did try in high school, but it was the same time as basketball season. And, and there was a possibility of pulling them both off. And that was the hardest practice that I had ever went through was wrestling. One was enough. And I was like, man, I thought basketball was tough at times. Yeah, that's usually the same response we hear from all the basketball players. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it's uh, winter season, uh, same same sport, uh, same style. But yeah, wrestling is a very tough sport. You know, I've had those days where I've wanted to quit, but again, uh, wrestling is just something that it's it's it was very fruitful in the lessons that have taught me because it's taught me to fight through those times when you feel like you need to you want to quit. You know, like you need. That you feel like you can't keep going, so it's just those. You you learn who you really are, and even those times where you 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 do get broken down, it's how you react, you know, and you come back from that. So it's like those little life lessons you you pull out of that. That that's where when you hear a lot of people say like wrestling is is like no other because you really you really learn about yourself. It's only you out there. It's a team sport because you have to prepare with teammates. But when it comes that time, it's it's mano y mano. And that's uh. There's something to be said about that because there's a, you know, you're such a nice, jovial person, but I've caught some of the highlights of some of your fights. And it's, it's such an interesting thing that a fighter's brain has that ability to do to step in there and just be like, you know, click over to something different. Like, how do you <laughs> even get into that, that like mindset? I'm always so fascinated by the fighter's mindset. Yeah, so it's funny. A lot of people always like ask, like, how do I do it? How do I switch? To be honest, um, whenever I'm like in the back, it's like it's always it's a process. It's like it's a warm up. It's because it's it's not like an immediate thing. Because honestly, during practice, you're never thinking about harming a person. You're just thinking sure. about getting better and working your technique to the best of your ability. It, when it comes fight time, it's a different level. Because you have it all the big, the bright lights, the adrenaline. It's a lot different. It's a lot more different. And during that time frame, it's like when you're in the bag, you like warming up, listening to your music, you're vibing, your coach, the people you have around you. Though that's what really helps you make that switch. Because if you, the people that are in your corner, they should be people that are firing you up, getting ready for battle. Whether because you're 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 starting a battle where you basically agreed that you could potentially die. Mm -hmm. So. You, that that speech, that warm up, that background—you better have the right people around you to make sure that you're in the right mindset. And that's what I—that's what I have, and that's how I—I'm able to make that switch. You know, I know I've trained hard, and that my the people around me have armed me with the tools necessary to succeed, and they make sure that I know that before I go out there. And like you mentioned, that you know, I mean, there is that potential of of serious injury or or worse. Granted, of course, thank goodness to the rules now of MMA, we've not had a anything serious in a really long time. But yeah. um, how do you how do you get in that mindset? Kind of push that out. And the reason I ask is, you know, I I kind of work with especially younger people that are entering the recovery period. And uh, that there's like that that fear of the relapse or something. And I've kind of compared it to fighting, but I've not, I've, you know, I've just sparred. I did jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu for a while. But I mean, from a real competitor, like how do you how do you hone that in and maybe, you know, put the lack of a better term, the failure, or the not desired outcome out of your mind? 
So, yeah, I'm not, I, I'd be lying if I told you if I don't think about the not desired outcome, losing in front of family. You know, the worst thing possible to me is is not walking out alive. That's sure. losing per se. If I'm winning as long as I'm able to walk out of there with my health and conscious, that's a win to me no matter what. Um, a lot of other people, the worst thing for them, you know, their back's up against the wall and they really need that f- to win a- win that specific fight to continue their career because, you know, their family's, their family's livelihood depends on it. Um, I've been able to kind of alleviate that because I'm, I'm so diverse in what I'm doing, but I can see how there's a lot of other people when they're in it, it's it's kind of tough to overcome. But that's what's really helped me be able to not really focus on that because I realize that it's not the end of the world if I do lose. Um, just walking out of there with my health um, is a win for me, but ultimately I want to win. <laughs> <laughs> I want to win. And even when sometimes when I'm thinking about losing, um, I try to just, again, think about all the preparation that I've done to know that I've done everything in my power to give me the best chance possible to win and if things don't turn out my way you know then we'll hit the drawing board and assess and figure out what went wrong do a post-mortem and and make changes if need be a <laughs> post-mortem that's a pretty good yeah. uh, term for uh but the record you got a pretty solid record though bro yeah 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 for, for now yeah i got uh six fights in a row um i've, I've won you know, my first two fights when I was like 19, back in like 2014, 2015, I, I lost my first two. Um, first one, very controversial. Second one uh, was definitive loss. Took it like a seven-year hiatus break again because I had to focus on getting my career right. Um, and then came back and been on a six-fight winning streak since then. So, yeah, I'm uh, 2-0 and as a pro now. I'm looking to go 3-0 and sometime in July. Right on. I dig it, man. Let me ask you with the, with kind of the stuff that was around, you know, time of your parents' divorce, the moving, obviously moving to Florida, getting three tornadoes. It's like, oh, yeah. uh, Three hurricanes. It's crazy, man. It's like, it's like, wow. And it's funny. There were tornadoes that spawned from the hurricanes at the time, too. This, right. Learn that. I had to learn the difference between that. <laughs> yeah, because they'll um, hit the land for sure there in Florida. It's bananas, man. Yeah. Let me ask you, though, did you go through a period? Because, you know, that's a tough thing when when we as, as young men and young women as well, but don't have that father figure there. Did you go through periods of really feeling maybe detached like like an outsider? So, yeah, I, I did go through that period, but um, to say I didn't have a father figure outright, you know, that, that, that'd be a lie. I, my stepfather, he definitely stepped up to be that father figure. You know, I, I would say like any other kid who's dealing with a brand new stepfather, you know, at first he probably rejected it, you know, didn't, didn't really wasn't accepting of it. Um, but ultimately later on, later on in life, I was able to, to see some, see back the lessons that you were trying to instill in me and still take heed of it. Um, so I, I did have a period of time where, you know, I, I, I felt like I didn't have that father figure per se, but I did have a stepfather who, you know, actively tried and just steer me in the right ways and give me that guidance. That's a tough role, man. That's a tough place for both the child and the, the step parent to be in it. It, it is. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely is. But I'll say as uh, my perspective on life itself and on that situation from when I was a child to now has changed 360, 360. And you, you start to learn things on why your parents did certain things or you understand, you know, why, you know, the the options of why the reasons could be and you'd be learn to be grateful. Uh, and I'm sure many more came up once you were a parent. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can tell you right. Yep. 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 Uh, oh no. Tell me. That's why I'm asking. I'm yeah. like, because yeah, I, like, uh, I've noticed. Like I, I always wanted that monogamous and that monogamous family. Like at first, you know, I, I always wanted to like, I was so angry at my father for letting my family split up and et cetera. But, you know, at some, I realized that sometimes uh, it may not be the best thing for the child for two people to stay together, mm -hmm. especially if it's a toxic environment. You know, it could be more harmful than uh, good. So that's that's one thing I can say uh, for sure that I've learned uh, as, as an adult um, so I can understand why um, things things didn't work out. Yeah. No, I can relate to that for sure. I totally know where you're coming from, but uh, I definitely have some of the uh, the moments uh, where with my own kids and I say something or I do something and I'm like, oh, damn, my mom was right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Or like when your mom's like, you'll, you'll understand when uh, you have your, your kid and, <laughs> and you're dealing with some of the same items. Like uh, I, I deal with my, my mom. I talk to my mom about my son and some of the wacky things he does. Sometimes she's like, "Oh yeah, you used to do that," and et cetera. Yeah. And like, oh, okay. Oh <laughs> uh, heck, yeah, it is. It is tough, man, for sure. Uh, but uh, so we took this big hiatus from from MMA. What really presented? the time to get back like what what did that just that passion and desire never leave was it that you got the other part of your career home settled what what really was that that ponderance so it's like a culmination of everything pretty much you just said you know the it never left you know i just had to put it to the side because you know i was hearing in the background hey you're not making any money you risk hurting yourself etc dealing with the, that kind of criticism from a family for back then you know it's not to say that you know they were coming from a negative light but I, I could understand you know where they were coming from at the time um so um, fortunately unfortunately it's a little bit of both that I kind of put everything on hold and kind of got right um in my cybersecurity career and I noticed that hey I finally am living a life where I have the time to you know work in training and I'm not feeling like I don't have any energy at the end of the day you know I'm pretty pretty lax and so uh, it afforded me the opportunity to get back into the gym uh, once I was able to find that work-life balance. And ever since then, and I've just been, you know, leveraging the work-life balance that I have of working in cybersecurity to be able to continue to chase that dream. Well, let's talk that work-life balance. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, go check Sed's uh, uh, social media. You see in amazing shape. <laughs> That takes time. That takes dedication. Let's talk about that dedication. Let's talk. Just give me a day. Like, what is the, the day for you, man? So, uh, a camp. I'll give you a day. So, in camp training uh, for a fight, 
Um, Got to take advantage of every single hour of the day. Um, I know a lot of get probably slack about this, but uh, you know there are times where I'm only sleeping four hours, mm. four hours a night. You know, I'm, I'm I'm very grateful if I can get a full eight hours, but most of the time I'm operating off four to six hours of sleep. Um, at five, waking up around four thirty to get out the door by five thirty. Get over to Latos uh, strength and conditioning. Shout out to Alex Latos, my strength and conditioning coach. Um, work out there for a couple hours, two hours. Be back home by eight thirty, showered and ready to hit the hit the computer by nine. Um, at that point, um, working throughout the day, whether it's from up until about five to six um, for the day shift kind of things. We're doing consulting. I'm doing my cybersecurity work, and at that time uh, period, I take a break. Um, we'll come around five there, five to six, to make it over to training again. But this this training is at another gym. This is for actual MMA, <laughs> boxing, uh, jiu-jitsu, etc. That I do that training from six to nine with sparring. Um, come home, dinner, <laughs> uh, dinner. We'll finish up any other work-related items that I have to do for any of the businesses. Um, and at that point, go to sleep, wake up, do it again. Yeah, and that's pretty much how it is. It's like wash, rinse, re- repeat. <laughs> that's a cha- that's a challenge. How, how how do you balance that with that kind of workload? You know, fatherhood, relationship. Obviously, you're fitting. You know, the work in there because it's just the thing we got to we got to make a living. Because I don't know about you, the streets isn't too damn comfortable. I'm not cut out for that. Uh, it's not my <laughs> it's not fact. my get down. Yeah, that's and that's what gets me up because the streets ain't too comfortable, just like how you just said, you know, so those times where I feel like I don't want to get up or, you know, I feel like I don't want to do something, you know, I just think about that right there. Think about that aspect of being homeless again and just don't ever want to deal with that. So um, I'm always working. I always want to keep working. Yeah. I always want to keep working, never stop. Well, and that's the parallel I, I try to, again, going back to kind of some of the newcomers to recovery draw for them and why I love talking about about fighting. I mean, we've had a couple of different people on here. Terrence McKinney, Chuck Liddell actually came in studio and and even professional wrestling, which I love people give it a bad rap, but don't realize how much time and dedication for those that are successful put into to that endeavor. And um, I just think it's I just think with anything in life with success, because I mean, you're an entrepreneur too. It's just, you know, you get back what you put in and sometimes you get back more than you expected when you put in. Yep. 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 You deal with that. Sometimes you may put in a lot and you don't get back anything. Sometimes, you know, you could hit that jackpot where you only put in so much. And right when you're at that quitting point, you get a lot out of it keep going um but in the end you know there nothing happens with luck in life and at least my philosophy you know you gotta you gotta be ready to execute on the opportunities that present itself you know that the opportunity may present itself on a luck aspect but it's up to you to you know take advantage of it what is this saying luck equals uh opportunity plus preparedness 
Yeah, something along those lines. I, yeah. I suck at remembering. <laughs> <laughs> I always butcher them. <laughs> uh, damn it, Jason. I'm a cybersecurity expert, not a <laughs> philosopher. Uh, hey, me yeah. too, man. I butchered so many of them, so many of them. But I, I, but I think it's so important because, you know, the end of the day, like, it, it truly is like you're talking about with wrestling. It's us against us. Like, you know, that, that that's why it's called self-esteem is, you know, nobody can give us a trophy to fill that hole or, or, you know, uh, for me, I, I, there was no more drunk. I could get Cedric. I, I just couldn't, it wasn't, you know, and it certainly didn't got, got to the end of not working. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you get to that point where it's like, yeah, all right, enough's enough. <laughs> Yeah, because there truly is no outside solution to internal problems. You know, the things that we think about ourselves and feel about ourselves, we're, we're going to have to do that work. Yep. Some people, and some people don't, unfortunately, don't realize that. Uh, how? Uh, so that leads me to ask you, you kind of gave a breath there. Did you have some people that maybe it was you knew in your younger days that when your hard work success started paying off or kind of coming back with, the, you know, the handout or? Or... Oh man, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, it's doing that still the present day. Yeah, um, you know where the sense of entitlement. I'd say in this day and age, I'm not gonna name any specifics or anything, but sure, you know, and it's been a common thing that's been spoken about by numerous you know, figures. Um, just a lot of people have this sense of entitlement where they feel like they're owed something because they knew somebody at some point in time where they should have an automatic in or discount, et cetera, you know, but that's not how, that's not how the real world works. Um, I'm more than happy to present opportunities for people to grow with me, but there are no handouts, you know, you got to work for, you got to work for it. That's it. Period. It's the best way I, I can say. When did your entrepreneurial spirit really kick in? Um, I would say I've always had my entrepreneurial spirit. You know, I was one of those kids that used to sell candy back in school. I <laughs> 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 candy at the store and sell at school for more. So I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit, you know, had family members had me vending water bottles at concerts uh, as a kid. So, oh. uh and I was well versed with supply and demand at a young age. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a great thing. I, I think that's kind of a missing element that, you know, that, that like you said, a sense of entitlement. And we're seeing it a little more and more societally, you know, and I always I don't know about you. My my uh, radar, my BS radar goes off real quick when someone's like presenting it. Here it is. It's just here for you. You know, it's like, OK. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's, what's the deal? There's something, there's something behind this. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of things. And it's what a lot of things I'm seeing in life too. Like, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I, I also started, uh, uh, my program, the mentor, cybersecurity mentorship and training programs, because there's a lot of smoke out there where people are misguiding and misleading people and they're not giving them the full and true nitty and gritty picture of what's going on. So they have the full context. Um, yeah. Tell yeah. me about that. Tell me about that mentor program that you're doing. So, yeah. So um, I've always had uh, this kind of ties back into, you know, some people wanting handouts, et cetera. And I've always had people interested into 
how I've gotten to where I am in cybersecurity, uh, what I'm doing, et cetera. I never really had anything I can just point them to because my experience that I have and the knowledge I have was a culmination of all the trials and tribulations that I went through throughout the career, my failures, my successes, and the work that I've done. Um, so, and a lot of the other people, colleagues that I've had in the field have dealt with the, their other individuals that want to get into the field, but they don't want to go down the traditional education path and, uh, go to school for four plus years. Um, and we, in reality, we don't need individuals that go to school for four plus years. You know, that's power to you if you, if you do, but we just really need individuals that have the practical skill set to do the job at hand, and you don't really need a degree for that. And uh, there are individuals that I work side by side with on a daily basis that don't have a degree, um, and they're actually some of the most brightest individuals in the room. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we started uh, this mentorship and training program um, so that way we can help bridge that gap because right now there is a talent gap in the cybersecurity field where there's about 3.5 unfulfilled jobs worldwide and about half a million of those are in the U.S. alone. And it's going to continue to grow. It's yeah. going to continue to grow because not only are there legal and regulatory requirements, it's it's a money thing. You know, if a company gets hacked, not only are you going to lose uh, uh, reputation points, people don't want, are not going to want to do business. You're going to lose bottom line revenue and market share um, plus you got the fine fines you're going to have to deal with and also the cost of remediation, you know, the man hours to fix whatever the problem was to begin with. And then the also paying for people's identity theft, depending on if there were like any identity information, stolen credit cards, et cetera. I mean, and you're right. We're seeing, I don't know how often I'm getting darn, darn alerts like, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you, your credit card information could be compromised from this big box store, or this chain, or whatever it is, and it's just it, it's one of those sad natures yeah. of of how technology is today. We're just we're susceptible to this stuff. Yep, yep. Uh, because we're so intertwined in our daily lives, society it's not going away, and a lot of the technology and the services that are out there to this day were put out there without security as a forethought in their mind when they were developing these services. So kind of playing catch up in a lot of these areas. Not every organization is, mm -hmm. but there are a lot more organizations I can say from my experience in the field and from my colleagues' experience in the field that there are a lot of places that are still trying to catch up to this day and age it's with just basic security requirements oh, that's bananas it's like hey we built you this house well where's the roof and where are the doors ah it's all right those can come later go ahead and move in eh. <laughs> like okay yeah, yeah, yeah we'll work on it as we go <laughs> uh, uh, yeah well hey cedric i'm a big uh um car guy i love motorsports luxury cars, especially sports cars, how uh, you got the cybersecurity business, but you also that entrepreneurial spirit kicked in. Where's, where did the, the car rental business come about? So the car rental business, one day I was scrolling on Instagram um, and I seen an ad of this guy and he's advertising how he has luxury cars and he doesn't pay for them. And he went to go, go ahead and explain how, 
he stopped paying for them. Long story short, he was renting the car out, making money off the car, and the car paid for itself, etc. Sure. Got to enjoy it. And uh, I said, hey, well, uh, let me give it a shot. You know, if I break even, I'll be happy. You know, I get to just drive a car, a nice car for free. Um, if I make some money, uh, you know, it'd be nice. So I started with uh, two cars. And then from there, I've expanded. Um, I think I'm at about 12, 12 cars now. But uh, it's been uh, a good, good year, and a good year and a half. I'll tell you that. It's uh, we've been in business for almost two years now. What's the name of the the car rental place? Where are you located at? So show up, show out rentals, and we're in Central Florida. So if you're ever flying into the Orlando area, Daytona, wherever, uh, we got you. What's what's in the fleet right now? So uh, we got Ferrari, four fifty eight Italia, uh, Mercedes Benz, AMG GT forty three, oh. uh, Dodge Charger, Hellcat wide body. Uh, BMW i8, we got a Corvette C8 Stingray, we got the C7 Stingray as well. Um, what else? We also got some uh, SUVs, Tahoe, Escalade, things. Like that. We got pretty much flavors of uh, every single flavor. Right. <laughs> you might. You, you might had me like. at the Mercedes uh, AMG GT there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, everyone likes that. That's that's the grown and sexy right there. Oh yeah. Well, I'm a, like I said, big motorsports fan and big Formula One fan. Lewis Hamilton's my driver. Oh, the Mercedes Formula team. One. Yeah. Yep. I love Formula. One of these days I'll be hitting you up when I can afford to actually go to a Formula <laughs> One race. Uh, hey, yeah. Yep. I definitely want to make one of those in, in a lifetime too. Uh, oh, yeah. That's a must, man. Um, so tell me a little more about some uh, the cybersecurity business, um, you know, kind of what you do, w- what kind of businesses you help and more about it. So pretty much uh, I work with any and all industries. Uh, every company, just depending on the industry, is subject to certain cybersecurity requirements, um, per se, some from a private standpoint per their own personal rules and some from a legal standpoint where they have certain laws where they have to f- follow. Like any company that takes credit cards are subject to PCI uh, DSS, which stands for Payment Card Industry Data Security Standards. So if you don't follow those rules, they MasterCard and Visa can reject uh, your ability to collect payments. That's mm-hmm. a big thing. Yeah. So if you can't collect payments, <laughs> it's going to be pretty hard for you to, to, to keep the lights on. So um, I work with industries that are subject to that, uh, hospitals subject to HIPAA, um, keeping, you know, like your protected health information secure um work with industries such as you know airplane manufacturers financial institutions that's another big one like banks and credit unions um that's what on a consulting side that's that's what i work with on a daily basis now for the mentorship and training program we're actually working with individuals that are looking to break into the field um and that either they have previous tech experience and they want to break into cybersecurity or they may not have any experience at all and they just want to get into cybersecurity. So kind of a couple different niches we're catering to on the mentorship and training aspect. Right on. And if people want to learn more about that, how can they do that? So if people want to learn more about it, they can go to susos.co. Um that's gonna be S-U-S-O-S dot C O. Um, also, if you can uh, follow us on Instagram, it's show up, show out security. 
Um, and also my personal Instagram is show up, show out. So any one of those places, you'll be able to find links to the traffic that'll take you to the right place. Right on. I know those links are in the podcast description for anyone watching, listening. If you want to reach out to Cedric and just whatever, he's a great guy. Let's see how jovial he'll answer your questions. I guarantee it. For sure. Uh, all right. Well, let's jump on over to some fun, random questions. All right. All right. All right. What, uh, what do you think the biggest lesson that, uh, MMA has taught you? Um, that, uh, every, everybody thinks they're tough. You know, you really learn again, this will wrestling too. It's kind of the same thing. It goes back to that. You know, you learn who you are in the, in those moments where you really have to fight back, you know, when you're, you're at that breaking point and where you either have a choice to give up or keep on fighting. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like, it, it's just taught me to bring that dog out. You know, I know it's a, it's a saying going on, but it's true. It's like when you, you bring that fire out of you and there's no quit and it's taught me to keep going and never stop. Yeah, I, I've at, let me ask you this. I've had other fighters that have said this is that they've they've been able to be in certain fights where they're kind of like that. Am I, you know, am I done? Do I have any more? And then they can kind of feel their opponent break, and they're like, oh, oh no, I got the momentum. It may not even appear that mm -hmm. to the onlooker, but it's like, oh, I've just felt the energy of the momentum sw shift my way. Yep. Yep. When you feel the other person, you feel that you're giving it all and that you see where their body posture, their mannerisms, you kind of, when you're in there, you and that other person, you, you understand that energy change, you know, and sometimes that you may feel like you, you got it and the other person can snatch it right from you. The fight ain't over until it's over. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you can feel that change where you feed off of that other person. Like they may, they could be playing possum like they're hurt. Mm -hmm. And that can give you extra energy, make you be a little bit more overzealous per se. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. But yeah. Uh, all right. Here's a fun one. Uh, what's the last song you listened to on purpose? Um, I would say it was a Charlotte DeWitt song. This is like actually a, like electronic house dance song. Um, uh, I think it, it's one of the for, Formula One <laughs> EP. It's funny you say that. She, she makes like a soundtrack for Formula One. Um, but yeah, one one of the one of those songs. Well, there's only three songs on the EP, but but yeah, one of Charlotte DeWitt's uh, Formula One EP songs. But yeah, it kind of like gets you going. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think there's even a, a for the the Netflix uh, uh, docu series. I mean, it's, it's it's not really a documentary. They kind of <laughs> mistell some stories in that thing, but I think they have a soundtrack for it that's out there. You can get them. Like, okay, all right, well, cool. Uh, all right, if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Um, honestly, if I could have one superpower, it would be to i would say be invincible really yep invincible and invincible with the time that i can never grow old and i, I know the cliche or whatever you're like oh but then you can never age etc right. but um but yeah because i would i would like to continue to enjoy life i know one day i'm gonna expire and you know it's gonna suck but Oh, and I think that's what I, what was I watching yesterday? I can't even remember, but it, it was kind of dealing with that and that, that understanding I'm, I'm middle-aged now and I'm, you know, that's very, 
evident to me as I've lost people and what continues that like, boy, I, you know, time is fleeting and I got to enjoy it and take advantage of it. And, you know, it really made me get a good self-examination. I mean, you're a guy, a full day. I'm like, you know, a productive day. It's not just a full day. It's a day that's productive and filled is, you know, like how can my days be more productive and, and filled, you know? And I, I just think that's, I don't know. I think sometimes that's part of it. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, if you were stuck on a deserted Island, you had one movie with you and one, uh, music artist, greatest hits. What would they be? One music artist, greatest hits in one movie. Uh-huh. Um, maybe that Wilson movie was with Tom Hanks, right? <laughs> Cast uh, away. <laughs> <laughs> little inspiration to get off that damn island, huh? Exactly, e- exactly. A little inspiration, <laughs> like how he do it again. <laughs> um, and as far as greatest hits, um, let's say because I listen to a lot of I listen to all different types of music. But um, honestly, it would be uh, the Lo-Fi Girls' greatest hits. That's it. It's like chill music. I study and do work too on YouTube. Um, it's like a YouTube channel, but greatest hits of that. All right. It's like mellow and keep you kind of chill. Can't really say uh, another like brand artist, but that would be it. Because yeah. to kind of keep me sane, <laughs> the Lo-Fi <laughs> music. <laughs> Uh, if a movie was made about your life, who would you want to play you? Adult you. Man, I've never thought about this. <laughs> uh, who, if a movie were to be played about my life, who would I want to play me? Um, Michael B. Jordan, he's a good actor. Yeah. He's kind of killing it with the fight game yeah. movies. I mean, just. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. The fight game movies, he's he's killing it. Yeah, the Creed movies are really. At first, I didn't want to like them. I was like, the like the when it was the first one, I'm like, the timeline doesn't even match up. And I, and, and of course, <laughs> a Stallone fan, I go and see it. I'm like, oh, that was really good. And then I've subsequently yeah. liked the other two a lot as well. But uh, you know, yeah. I just love them fight movies. Uh, all right, here's a fun one. Um, what would be something people would be surprised to learn about you? could be a hobby or something you're into that maybe people wouldn't expect or um i'm really nice because <laughs> <People laughs> <think I'm, laughs> the mma like is that stigma you're an angry person mean etc but i'm a really nice and approachable person yeah and, uh i like nerding out about things i like talking having deep conversations about technology and different things along that nature uh it's good to be a nerd it's funny i don't know about you i was definitely made fun of a lot and it's like the stuff that i was into oh yeah it's now really cool <laughs> yeah yeah like where was that back 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 when i was right. being teased for that right like right. Yeah. yeah what's this star got- wars stuff and this comic book stuff and yeah now i like star wars and what not marvel <laughs> See, I was on to some stuff. Um, one more for you here. I always enjoy this one. Uh, if you could have in, uh, dinner with any one person, living or not, who would they be? I got to start thinking about these questions because... Well, that's <laughs> why they're you, random, Cedric. Because yeah. uh, like, these are really good questions. Um, dinner with one person, living or not. Um, 
I, I forgot what what hold on one second. I can tell you right now. <laughs> it would the be Robert search. it would be Robert S. Smith. Robert S. Smith. I don't know that. What yeah. tell me, Robert S. Smith. He is the richest black man in the world. Oh. Hey. I would want I would want to pick his brain to, to understand his backstory and how he got to where he was. Yeah, absolutely. Period. Now I'm gonna have to look him up and find out more. Me too. <laughs> you know, like, all right, how did we get here? You know, because then you always uh, find like like gentlemen like like Mr. Smith that you know people think oh they came from a ton ton of money or something, and most of them know they came from some of the crappiest settings and situations, and it just goes to show that you know. Like, like the most well-nourished things grow out of this, the fertilizer. You know what I'm saying? Forged from all those trials and tribulations, you know? Yeah. They up the toughest yeah. tempered steel, right? You know, had to be forged and banged away at and heated up. And, you know, hey, man, that's just how it's made. Well, hey, uh, before I leave you with the final thoughts, um, well, we already connected people with the links to the, all your websites, Instagram, everything else. All right. Hey, the floor is yours. So that if there's something that you want to lend to people, maybe just um, some words of encouragement, if they are struggling, someone they know, whatever it is. Um, I would say there's something I, I've dealt with with a couple people who are interested in getting in the field is just dealing with those mental blocks and the lack of confidence, you know, feeling like, uh, you know, especially like with the cybersecurity field, you know, it's all about your belief system, you know, positive affirmations, believe in yourself. You can, re you, I know it sounds cliche, but you really can accomplish anything you put your mind to, you know, you have to believe in yourself first. Yeah. That's sometimes a tough thing, right? Yes. I myself have, you know, dealt with the, the lack of uh, self-esteem and confidence, and I still do sometimes. And again, it's those positive affirmations, having the right people around you and having those talks with yourself to help you get through, through those items and, you know, get through those feelings of doubt and disbelief. Cedric, man, this has been a real pleasure. Likewise, likewise, Jason. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast featuring celebrities, experts, and everyday people who have overcome adversities including addiction, mental health, and trauma to live purposeful lives. And that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about.